0: Section 69 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis de Ségur St. Peter's what rome is to the world saint peter's is to rome rome is the holy city the center of the catholic faith the citadel of truth the very sanctuary of the catholic religion and of all the temples that are enclosed within this one vast temple saint peter's is the chief it is the central point of religious faith in rome and her most magnificent crown everyone can understand why Within these sacred walls repose the relics of the Prince of the Apostles, the first Bishop of Rome, the first of the long line of pontiffs, the first vicar of Jesus Christ. And close by, in an immense palace near to the church, the pontiff lives, the successor of St. Peter, the vicar of the Son of God, and sovereign pastor of all the Christians upon the face of the whole earth. After having preached Christianity in Rome for 25 years, Saint Peter, with the apostle Saint Paul, was arrested by the command of Nero during the first persecution which that cruel emperor waged against the Christians. The sumptuous gardens and the vast circus which Nero had consecrated to the public games and races became the theater of the first victories of Christianity. These heroes, of a type hitherto unknown, became in death triumphant. The celebrated colonnade of St. Peter now occupies the place where the ancient circus stood. It is also related that an emperor of Germany, having come to Rome to visit the Pope, and asking him for some relics of the prince of the apostles, the pontiff replied, To touch these sacred bones is what I may not, dare not do. Then stooping down and presenting to the prince a handful of dust which he had just gathered in his hand, he added, But if you wish for relics, they are here. For the earth beneath our feet has been watered by the blood of the first martyrs of Jesus Christ. Nero let loose his fury against the Christians by causing a multitude to perish, some being killed by the sword, others covered with the skins of beasts and devoured by furious dogs, others covered with brimstone and pitch, fastened to stakes and burned in the evening to give pleasure to their persecutors, and he next desired to strike the shepherd now that he had slaughtered so many of the flock. For nine months, St. Peter and St. Paul had been confined within the terrible dungeons of the Mamertine prison. They were both condemned to death, and on the 29th of June, in the year 66 of the Christian era, St. Paul was beheaded at a place which the piety of the faithful still venerate upon the Ostian Way. And St. Peter, his father and friend, after having given him the kiss of farewell, at a spot of which tradition has also preserved the touching remembrance, was led to Nero's garden to be crucified. The Christians elected St. Linus as his successor, and thus commenced the glorious series of popes which will never end until the end of the world. The body of St. Peter was taken from the spot by the faithful of Rome. They laid it in a neighboring catacomb hollowed out in the sides of Mount Vatican. There, still more than at the tomb of St. Paul, the Christians met for prayer. For the celebration of the holy sacrifice and to participate in the mysteries of the holy eucharist in proportion as the faith spread the richness of the sacred tomb increased providence permitted that it should never be violated by the pagans and that all christian generations should enjoy the blessings of this inestimable treasure at the peace of the church about the year 320 constantine the great desired to honor the memory of the prince of the apostles and raised at his own expense a magnificent church over his tomb he had part of mount vatican cut away not daring to disturb the tomb of st peter he surrounded the chest which contained his bones with a shrine of porphyry and upon the lid he placed a cross of gold which remains until this day with the following inscription to st peter constantine emperor and helena empress divo petro Constantinus Augustus et Helena Augusta. Nothing but the pavement of this First Church still exists. 360 years ago, its very antiquity, which rendered it so venerable, caused a complete ruin to be feared. It was decided to rebuild it, and the Pope then raised over the tomb of the Apostle, which was not touched, the immense and marvelous Church which the pilgrims of the whole world visit at this day. Ten thousand bodies of saints and martyrs rest in the crypts of St. Peter's, and in the ranks of this legion, what names, what memories? There are the first fifteen popes, all martyrs. There is St. John Chrysostom, St. Gregory of Nanciansum, St. Gregory the Great, St. Leo the Great, St. Leo the Second, St. Leo the Third, St. Leo the Fourth. There is St. Petronilla. The disciple of St. Peter, St. Procesus and St. Martinian, the two commanders of the cohort which guarded the apostle in the Mamertine prison and who now repose with their former captive, afterwards become their father in the faith in the first temple in the world. In front, on the other side of the tomb, are the apostles St. Simon and St. Jude, companions of St. Peter, whom death itself has not divided from their former head. It is these tombs that constitute to the Christian heart the true beauty of St. Peter's. Tourists and travelers pass them by and see only the marbles, the gold, the mosaics, and the wonders of the architecture. They regard the stones, whilst we regard the saints. They admire the fleeting materials and treasures of earth. We lift our hearts on high and with the enlightened eyes of the soul see glimpses of the glory which only the light of God can reveal. What deep and pure emotions must fill the heart of the true Catholic when, approaching this hallowed tomb, before which a hundred and forty lamps burn night and day, he bends his head down to the stone which covers the ashes of the first vicar of his God. How great a privilege to be able to recite on such a spot the ancient symbol of the one true faith, the Credo, composed by the holy apostles and so often recited by the same Saint Peter, who during the days of his apostolate preached and disseminated it throughout the world. When the pilgrim has ended his prayer and raises his eyes, he suddenly perceives above the tomb of St. Peter, and as though forming the girdle of the gigantic cupola, the sentence which fell from the lips of the Son of God, written upon gold in immense letters of mosaic – Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and to thee will I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Tu es Petrus, et super anc Petram, edificabo ecclesiam meam, et tibi dabo claves regni Then he feels proud of his holy faith and sees, perhaps for the first time clearly, the utter insignificance of the innumerable religious sects which, scattered here and there, are reaping in endless change and ceaseless discord, the inevitable fruits of abandoning the pastoral see of Peter. And separating themselves from the true fold of Jesus Christ. The four pillars which sustain the cupola are of such proportions that an architect has been able, by an ingenious thought, to construct, in another part of Rome, a vast chapel and a small monastery in the same space of ground which only one of these pillars occupies. In each of them precious relics are enclosed. In one the body of St. Veronica rests. And the cloth with which he wipes the face of our Lord as he ascended to Mount Calvary. In another is venerated the entire body of Saint Longinus, a Roman soldier who, after the Saviour's death, pierced his Sacred Heart with a lance, and a fragment of this lance is preserved in a shrine which is opened on Good Friday and which is framed in two magnificent columns from the Temple of Jerusalem. In the third pillar is preserved a noted relic of the True Cross, and in the fourth, the head of Saint Andrew, the eldest brother of St. Peter. But what can be said of the feelings of faith and of gratitude which fill the heart of the Christian when, upon the day of grand pontifical ceremonies, he sees the Pope, the successor of St. Peter, the depository of his power, the heir of his promises, offer to God, over the body of the Apostle, the sacrifice of the Holy Eucharist, which St. Peter himself celebrated in the Cenaculum upon the day of Pentecost, and which, For 18 centuries, all pontiffs and priests have offered in their turn. It seems as if the most divine spectacle that it has been given to man to contemplate upon earth is the sacred body of our Lord Jesus Christ, veiled beneath the Holy Eucharist and offered to the adoration of the faithful by the hands of the sovereign pontiff over the altar of St. Peter. How sad it is that there should be any who could witness this great religious act And yet be incapable of comprehending all its beauty and its glory. End of section sixty nine. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C., Toulouse, France.